Welcome to a Holy Mess podcast with me, His Holy Mess, Father Paul Hulis. This is a podcast to encourage, entertain, and give hope to those of us who are striving to find holiness in a very messy world. It's also a podcast for all those who identify as a holy mess, like me, hence His Holy Mess. Are we not all in some way, because of our weaknesses and our sinfulness, a holy mess? Yet the good news is that God, who is supremely pristine and pure, entered the depths of our mess and the mess of this world and made it holy. And he doesn't just clean up the mess in our lives, but he redeems it, uses it, and turns our mess into a beautiful message of hope. So tune in, bring your mess with you, and join me for a clean but very messy podcast. One, two, three. Welcome, what, 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 welcome back, holy messes, to a holy another episode of a holy mess with his holy mess, Father Paul. This episode so far is truly a holy mess, and I am beyond grateful uh, that um, a friend and a complete stranger said uh, <laughs> yes to being on this podcast last second. Like literally, I, I have no idea. In a, who Annie is, okay? Annie. Oh, stranger say, than most, Father. Stranger than most. <laughs> is it Sario? How do I say it? Sario? Sarlo. Sarlo. Oh, it's an L. It's Sarlo, an L. My Sarlo. eyes are, are, are getting bad. So, so here's the deal, holy messes. Um, I, I totally, completely screwed up my podcast schedule. Okay, so I totally thought that yesterday, which uh, was June fifth, I thought that I was interviewing. Uh, this guy named Tyler from Hawaii about the whole LGBTQ thing because, you know, we're in uh, Gay Pride Month right now that people call it. And so I was going to release an episode with Tyler, who used to be in the LGBTQ movement and then had a hardcore conversion to Catholicism four years ago. And he was going to be my guest. But I screwed up. And the interview with Tyler is next week. It's next week. So I needed an episode like really quick and I did one yesterday, which maybe eventually you'll see, but I just didn't think it was really right and appropriate. It wasn't the episode I wanted to release to prepare for the solemnity of Corpus Christi, the, the, the feast of the body and the blood of the Lord. So uh, I knew that I myself was going to do uh, an episode about the body and blood of the Lord. And then I said, you know what? I don't like looking at myself in a camera and just talking to this camera on the podcast. I'm going to see if I could get a friend or a couple of friends to join me. So I text a couple of my buddies. My buddy Sam Shea immediately said, hey, I'll do it. I'm exhausted, but I'll throw on a polo and I'll do it. And then he said, hey, I could ask a friend of mine from work if she wants to be on it too. And I was like, in my mind, that's great. I actually wanted like to get a woman on the show, a lay woman, to get that perspective as well. So she said yes in like two seconds, okay? <laughs> and, and here she is. So I'm going to find out about her right now. But welcome to A Holy Mess. Welcome back, Sam Shea. He was on for the Pope Benedict episode uh, a couple months ago. And welcome to Annie Sarlo. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome, Father Paul. It is a pleasure and a gift to be with you 
I love the title of this podcast, A Holy Mess. I feel like I am a holy mess. <laughs> I am. We're a little messy, right? Life is messy. Yeah, and it's very messy. And holiness, yeah, holiness is only up. possible in, yes. in, in, in the mess of our life. So, right. Right, so Annie, who, not just for my listeners, but for me, who are you? <laughs> Good question. Who am I? Um, huh. Is that a question like to be pondered? Who who are we? Who are you? Um, I I like to say um, I am a princess and a warrior and a bride, right? This is my identity in Jesus Christ as a a daughter of the Father, right? Uh, incorporated into the body of Christ through my baptism, um, incorporated into Trinitarian communion by my baptism. I'm a princess, right? My daddy's the eternal father, the king of heaven and earth. And I'm a warrior, right? By my confirmation as a, a confirmed Catholic, um, I participate in, uh, it's called the church militant. We read it in the, in the catechism. Those of us who, uh, through our life of prayer and union with Christ, intercede for the body of Christ. Right, we take up the armor of Christ. Um, I'm also a martial artist, so this whole warrior spirit is is very much uh, part of part of who I am. I practice a Japanese art called Aikido, um, and I'm a bride. Um, right, Jesus Christ desires to espouse our souls, each of us, men and women. Right, and so I'm I'm a bride of Christ. He desires intimacy, intimate communion with me. And how fitting that we, we get to talk about the Eucharist tonight, um, because it is in this Eucharistic communion that, that we get to, to be with Christ um, in prayer, um, to abide with him, right, as we read in, in John 14. A little bit about who I am, right? I like to say I'm Princess Warrior Bride. But practical, practical things, right? Uh, grew up in Ohio, uh, born and raised in Steubenville, Ohio. Um, me and Dean Martin, right? <laughs> Natives of Steubenville. I've been in Catholic ministry for over 30 years. Um, my ministry has taken me all over the world. I've been, I was a missionary in the Philippines for 10 years. Um, I am blessed now to be serving with His Excellency Sam Shea in the Archdiocese of Baltimore in the Institute for Evangelization as what's called a parish renewal specialist. Some reason we like to give church workers big titles yeah yeah <laughs> right but we seek to just help parishes um foster a culture of evangelization and discipleship and so we're on the road a lot um in the over what do we have sam close to 200 parishes in the archdiocese yeah um yep just help pastors uh whatever with whatever they need um all things parish life so a little bit about who i am and Father, it's really a blessing to be with you. Thank you for your ministry uh, and your priestly vocation. Wow, I, I I don't I don't know what to say to that. I wasn't expecting that. That was powerful, beautiful. Like as if you do this every single day. Uh, that was one of the most authentic introductions ever. I've never had somebody say, "Well, I'm a princess," um, <laughs> you know. And I, I've had I people say, "Oh, that's cute, honey," but it's really the fruit of prayer. Um, to discover who I am to God, right? The discovery of, of my own personal identity. I could put three words to it. Uh, 
and indeed I could say that's for every person, right? We're, we're royalty. Um, and that's how God looks upon us with nothing but delight as his, uh, his children. Um, Amen. Amen. And Sam Shea, remind everybody here uh, who you are. Obviously, you're my friend, uh, and we've known each other for almost two decades now. Um, but what is your, you recently moved with your family in the past year down to Baltimore. Annie uh, alluded to it. Uh, obviously, she's a co-worker of yours. But um, who are you, and what do you do? So I saw that Annie was working for the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and I was like, I should move my family to go work with her, <laughs> um, because she's amazing. Um, so Eileen and I, we were, I was interviewing for other uh, church ministry work, and the uh, the position came up, and I said, you know, I don't think this is going to work out financially, but this is kind of the work that I would love to do. I feel like I should apply and and uh, just make sure I'm open to the Lord and. Um, the Lord uh, made miracles, you know, <laughs> the whole time I've, I've been here, it's been just um, a variety of miracles. Um, but I could tell you, maybe I'll plug in our boss, um, Julie St. Croix, uh, to say that um, yes. that when I was interviewing with her, um, it, she had so much joy and she had been doing diocesan work for almost a decade. And so I... I was blown away by how much joy she still had because I knew personally many folks who work for the the diocese and and how um, what a challenge that can be and um, and um, kind of a, a gut check to your spirituality and for her to have that much joy in her interview um, I was I was blown away it was I recognized that she was someone that I could work under and learn a lot from. Amen. Amen. So you're both down there. Uh, we could, I, I mean, we could talk about you guys. I could ask you a million questions and obviously Sam, you and I can talk about the good old days, but um, the solemnity of Corpus Christi come, by the way, for you, for those people that are viewing right now, and even for the two of you, sometimes I don't know why it does. If you're watching this, it does freeze from time to time. So I'm going to uh, work on getting a much better Wi-Fi, or I could have sworn I had my ethernet cable, um, my Ethernet cable is in, but for some reason, the connection is not great. So uh, if you're listening, you're not going to notice any of this because the audio is going to be fine. But the visual, uh, we're still working on it. This is truly a holy mess. Uh, but thanks for sticking in with us. Again, Sam, thanks, uh, as Sam and uh, Annie. I, by the way, Sam, you just gave that whole thing, and I don't even think you said like what your actual title is or, wh or what you do. Uh, what is your official title for the Archdiocese of Baltimore? I am a parish renewal specialist. A parish renewal specialist. specialist. So you specialize in the renewal of parishes. We yeah? do our yeah. best. Yeah. And, yeah. and are you also in that office or are you just also working? Oh, you're in the same no, office. I'm in the same office with Sam. So there are six of us who are special. <laughs> in, this field, in the field of parish renewal. That, all right. You know what? We might have to just do like an entire I'm, – I'm dead serious. We might have to do an entire episode just on the topic of parish yep. renewal. Like that yep. seems like a very appropriate, yep. awesome title. Um, yep. But because we're doing this so last second and because I'm trying to drop this at midnight tonight, um, let's get to the Eucharist. Uh, there's so many things that, you know, I'm going to forget to say. The, this is not going to be like the, you know, quintessential uh, – 
absolute everything about the Eucharist and the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's so many things that might not be said, and hopefully Sam and Annie will will not just fill in the cracks of what I don't say, but will give their um, you know their their own love and 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 thoughts on the Eucharist. But basically, in a nutshell, like I want to start off by saying that if it was not for the Eucharist, if it wasn't for the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, in no way, shape, or form would I be a Catholic priest. Um, I would not give up the uh, marriage and family life uh, to serve a piece of bread. I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't give up marriage and family life uh, to give up having just some grape juice. I I just wouldn't do it. Not that you need to become a priest or a nun to serve the body of Christ, because obviously you do, you do not, you don't, you don't, you don't. But what I am telling you that because one of the main things, if not the most important thing that a Catholic priest does is celebrate the sacred divine mystery, the divine sacrifice of the Holy Mass, where Christ be, uh, becomes present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the most holy eucharist now i have to tell you like because i on this journey i didn't always i i I don't i didn't always believe it you know not that i grew up like ever like anti-eucharist but it wasn't anything that i really thought too much about you know but when i started to really really get into my faith back in april of 2004 um I didn't really know anything about the Eucharist except that it was just called the Eucharist or Holy Communion, and but I didn't know much about the teaching about the actual real presence, you know? And it was only when, through, thank God, a lot of prayer, a lot of study, a lot of uh, talking to my friends. Sam and I used to go to a, a men's group every single Monday night, uh, and we would, you know, we would pray together, we would sing, we would worship. And, but we would all, we would have teachings and we would have catechesis, if that's a word. And, um, and I learned so much about my faith that when eventually I was like, oh my gosh, like this, like this is actually Jesus, like body, blood, soul, and divinity, like in the form, I'm doing quotes for those of you listening, uh, cause you know, I'm probably going to say the words wrong in the form of, you know, bread and, and wine. Um, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. Like I, I, I'm in, you know, it's, it's, it's our life. It's, it, it literally is the life in us. Uh, the main thing I just want to say right now, before I, I, uh, you know, do a little, uh, tag team high five to the two of you is that, um, and I completely just lost my thought. Oh, here it is. We do not as Catholic Christians, we do not merely follow, um, is that a kitty cat? <laughs> What is the cat? And it's me. <laughs> Sorry, I just have to let her go. That's um, this is my cat Stone. She's named after um, Edith Stein, Saint Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Oh my God! You were like uber Catholic. This is. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to have you on. This is like okay. She introduces herself as a princess, and her cat is named after Edith Stein. Okay, uh, Sister Benedictus of the Cross. Did I say that right? All right. So. We do not merely follow just a teaching. We don't merely follow a moral principle or a philosophy or just a bunch of teachings. We do not just follow anyone or anything. We are called as Catholic Christians to be in communion, in union with the Lord. Thank be Jesus Christ. 
So we don't just say, okay, God has the Ten Commandments, do these and you'll be okay. Or even Jesus gives us the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. No, what he says, what he himself says, Jesus, he says, I am the bread from heaven, the true bread from heaven. My flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life welling up in them. This is from John chapter 6, known as the Bread of Life Discourse. He says, I, he, Jesus, am the bread of life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life in them. Uh, end of podcast episode. Bam. That's it. Drop the mic. No. Uh, Sam, Annie, thoughts, comments. Mind blown, period, right? <laughs> um, the, when Sam told me the topic of this, right, I'm getting ready for, for bed, brushing my, just finished brushing my teeth. He's like, do you want to be on a podcast to talk about the Eucharist? How? How can we talk about the Eucharist? Is my like what comes to my mind? Because it's so mind blowing that Christ gives us his body, his blood, his soul, and divinity for us to consume, to take into our being, so that we can enter into eternal life with him, into the life of the Trinity. This is what blows my mind is that we're called in our messes, sometimes not holy messes even, in our messes to enter Trinitarian life. So much does God desire us that Christ took on human flesh, he became incarnate, was born of the Virgin Mary, right? lived our life. I just came back from a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, right? Where his feet trod, where, you know, walked where he walked. He lived our life so that we could enter into life with him, right? To restore us back to communion with the Father and to draw us into the life of the Trinity with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This this blows my mind, this mystery that we're, we're called to enter into. We think of the Eucharist as something that we consume, but it consumes us, right? Um, Christ hungers for us. Something I had meditated on before you hear our Lord say from the cross, the words, I thirst. Right? He thirsts for us, but he also hungers for us. He hungers for us. He desires us in our holy messes, me with my frizzy hair and unplucked eyebrows right now. He's hungry for me, for my love, for union with me, for intimacy that just is beyond anything I can, can uh, imagine or compare to. He desires that with us. He desires this relationship. So when we think about the Eucharist, uh, just absolutely mind-blowing heart-blowing as well, right? Wow. Yeah. When, 
I guess I see the joy in your face, like when you, when you're speaking about this. It's not just something that, you know, you know about, but it's someone who you know, uh, someone that that dwells in you and and you, in him. So thanks for sharing that, uh, Sam. Before I yeah. start pontificating again, any any uh... <laughs> sure yeah I I think you know when we talk about being a Eucharistic people, um, there's something about that, and I. I recall in my conversations with Annie just about how 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 does that look like do when we come out of mass you know and we're sent um from mass um is that for everybody do people sense that you know and, and so the the answer is no no uh the majority of people don't right and so we're in the beginnings or the middle of this eucharistic revival uh because the uh the catechesis on the Eucharist needs to be better. But I, I, I kind of want to dial it back a little bit because I was just in conversation with a pastor and we were talking about uh, the LGBTQ stuff as well as the um, the trans uh, stuff. And um, and and really in, in kind of trying to minister to people, not just within that community, but elsewhere, just this idea that... Um, that sin doesn't exist in people's minds, right? Sin doesn't exist. I'm fine how I am, and you just need to accept me in my mess, right? You just need to accept me like this, where if that's true, then of all the titles of Christ, then where's Jesus, the Redeemer, right? And, like, if, if, if that's true, then... There's no need for there's no need for me to um, to be brought back into communion, right? And so you know, for so the Eucharist kind of loses its power there. But if we kind of look at these three feast days that we were having, you, you think of Pentecost, and and when I think of Pentecost, sometimes I'm thinking of that notion of of deep crying out to deep. It's it's God drawing us into prayer having us reflect on this idea of the Trinity, kind of this other presence. And then here in in this next celebration of Corpus Christi, we see the pathway to that, right? We have a recognition of something inside us. The Holy Spirit draws that out. And then we kind of get this sense that there's this other, this God who's Trinity. And how, how do we even fit into that? And the answer is the Eucharist. The answer is Jesus who came down, incarnated, um, and offered himself as, as true food, true drink, that we may be nourished and we may enter into the life of the Trinity. And so these three feasts just boom, boom, boom. And if we can enter into that, how powerful it could be. And so we do need to find a, a better way to, to catechize you know, people for this. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, some people might be asking the question, well, how, how is bread Jesus Christ? How is wine Jesus Christ? How does this, how does this happen? Okay. So for those that don't know, some of you might, but some, some of you may not know that on the very night before Jesus Christ died, with the night that we would, uh, at, at his supper, what we would call his last supper, he 
took bread and then he took wine, but first with the bread and he said the words, he, he said the words, he, he breathed on the bread as speaking and he said, take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given for you. And then he took the wine, Jesus, God, took the wine and said, take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the chalice of my blood, which will be shed for, for, for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, we need to think about what happens when God speaks, okay? Because Jesus is not just merely like the greatest man that God created, okay? We as Catholic Christians truly believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, that Jesus Christ is in the flesh. So God who is pure spirit, God who is being, okay, from all eternity, before time, before space was even a thing, there was God. God doesn't just have life, he gives life. God, just, God doesn't just have life and God doesn't just give life, he is life, he is being, okay? Now, at a certain point, we don't know exactly when, but probably around 14.3 billion years ago, something happened called the Big Bang, all right? So a lot of times we say God created God created everything out of nothing, but technically that's not true because since God is life, God created everything in and from himself. So in a certain sense, God spoke and the Big Bang happened. We do know from the scriptures that when he spoke, uh, he created all of creation. And when he created man and woman, it said that he, that he formed man from the clay of the earth and he breathed into the nostrils of the man and gave the man life, okay? When God speaks, he takes things that are not or that cease to be or that didn't exist and all of a sudden it is. In a sense, miracles happen, okay? And this has happened time and time and time again throughout the entire scriptures, through the prophets, through, uh, the, um, through, through Abraham, Moses, the prophets, the, uh, John the Baptist, the evangelists. And then God, at a certain time, took a virgin and by the very power of his spirit had a virgin become pregnant by his very breath, by his very words, Okay. This is what happened at the Last Supper. This same God who created everything out of nothing, who had a virgin become pregnant, who, the same God who said, let there be light, and there was light, took bread and said, this is my body. It was at the words of God who created the universe. When he said, this is my body over the bread, that bread transubstantiated, the substance was changed, and it became his very body. When he took wine and said over the wine, this is my blood, guess what? It was his blood. If Jesus Christ could say to a little girl who had died, 
little girl arise and then she was alive, he could take bread and turn it into his very body and blood. So more than anything else in this episode, I want to get across the fact that, folks, this is not just a symbol. This is God himself. Why did he give us his body and blood? Why did he give it to us? So that we may never, ever be without him. So that it is possible for us every single week and every day, in fact, if we go to daily mass, that we can actually receive his very body and blood, his very life in us every day. So that's my next point. The real presence, the body and blood, this is how it happened, transubstantiation. Annie, Sam, thoughts, comments, concerns. And um, I don't know if you had asked. I, I think back to um, what it means to I you, whatever. Just, I, I was watching um, Jesus Revolution. I didn't watch the whole thing. but I haven't seen it yet. A, there's a portion in there where the pastor, um, uh, he, he says, they're about to have bread and wine and he says jesus said this represents my body this represents my blood right and and i recall a few uh witness talks from some pastors who converted to catholicism because they they point to that they, they point to them preaching on that part the right of of um not only that but then the the bread of life discourse as well and and when they preached on it, they recognized that they were not telling the truth because Jesus never said this represents, right? He says this is. But the only way that they can kind of offer that to um, to their congregation is to say this represents because they because people react the same way they reacted when Jesus first said it at the bread of life discourse. Is this guy for real? Like who can, who can really believe that? Yeah. Right? It's like, uh, okay, maybe he's crossed the line. Maybe I gotta get out of here. Maybe I can really, I can't believe that. That's kind of gross. Right. Um, and that's when he, he um, turns around and he doubles down with his disciples, with his apostles. And he offers them, the same opportunity to leave him, right? Yeah. Yeah, because at that moment in, in John 6, when he said, you know, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has life, whoever does not eat my bread, whoever does not drink, does not have eternal life within them. And many of those people, not just a few, many, most of his followers walked away at that moment because they said the teaching was too hard for them. And as Sam just said, if he was just, you know, if it wasn't that big of a deal, if he was just talking about it symbolically, he would have said, hey, no, 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 come back here. I didn't mean you actually have to eat my body and my, my blood. So, no, I mean, come on, guy. I didn't mean that it's literally. No, but he didn't say that. What he did was he looked at Peter and said, are you also going to leave? To which St. Peter said the most amazing words, to whom shall we go, Lord? For you have the words, the words of everlasting life. Annie, any thoughts? 
oh, too many. I have a convergence of many. I'm trying to <laughs> this late hour. Um, I was just thinking of um, the oh, right, the Old Testament sacrifices of the the. the Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrifices. And if you read the Old Testament, you read many stories of like lambs and animals being sacrificed on the altar and their blood being poured out um, as expiatory, like to make up for uh, sacrifices um, for the sins of uh, the nations, right? Um, and Christ came to restore our broken relationship with the father through original sin, right? Um, sin breaks our relationship with God, the father. And so Christ came to restore that relationship. And he did that by the sacrifice of his life, by becoming the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He offered himself as the sacrifice for our sin, his blood was poured out so that we could be restored in relationship with God. Um, that's something that I was uh, thinking about, but these are all, um, it's hard to, to just say it concisely in a, in a quick podcast. I mean, <laughs> um, nothing quick about this. Histories that, <laughs> you know, we're, we're called to, to ponder, but then also, you know, we read, um, in the, the Vatican documents, I don't want to get too geeky here and start quoting. Um, no, we need more geeks on the show. Okay. <laughs> um, right with the Eucharist is, a, is um, a mystery to be believed, right? To be celebrated and to be lived as Pope Benedict um, encouraged us. Um, and that the part of belief is sometimes it's a challenge, right? <laughs> Um, how can this be that the God of the universe, first of all, became man, right? Uh, was it Irenaeus that speaks of the, like the scandal of the incarnation? How can this be that God became man, that God became a baby? And how can it be that God died? And how can it be that God so loved us that he desired to remain with us, that he gave us the church? And by giving us the church, he gives us the sacraments to enter into life with him. He gives us all the means to, to uh, receive grace, to live in grace, to serve him and to love him. How can this be? <laughs> How can this be? That's just, mm. um, and that's where I submit, right? My mind, my heart to Jesus and the Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me to know you more, Jesus. Help me to love you more in the Eucharist. I'm so graced to receive every Sunday, sometimes every day. You asked, what else was I thinking? I was thinking of my last <laughs> too, with our Lord. You know, these are things to ponder. What was your last Eucharistic encounter like? What did he communicate to you? What did he say to you? And my this past Sunday was just a simple resting. You know, sometimes he 
communicates in words. Sometimes he gives us images on our hearts. Sometimes he challenges us to grow in virtue and um, to let go of some, you know, habitual sin or whatever. But for me, this this past Sunday was just um, invitation to come here, come here, calm your head, calm your thoughts, calm your imagination, girl. Just come here and rest on my heart. Mm. I'm giving you my my body, my blood, like I'm dwelling within you now. Chill, girlfriend, just come here and sit, right? That's what he was he was communicating to me. And that's where I just rested in silence for the few moments before the parish choir started singing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, it's in, in that amazing, like I, I think when, when God interacts with us and, and in those ways, and because whether we look at salvation history and then how God has spoken, right, and then the manifestations, the theophanies, um, but, and even today, as, as we pray, uh, we can sit, we can adore Christ in the Eucharist, right, in, in, um, uh, in the tabernacle, um, but if, for those who are not Catholic, they still believe in being able to pray, and we know God definitely communicates to them, God answers those prayers, but the differentiation for me with the Eucharist is that God affirms the totality of who we are. So if, if we're thinking of prayer when we are, whether we're in our in a quiet place or whether we're in in a church, and and now we're having this like spiritual engagement, or we're reading something and then we're having this intellectual engagement, or we've encountered one another and and we've had this emotional engagement with the Lord through all these means. In the Eucharist, we get the physical engagement. So Jesus, throughout salvation history, God throughout salvation history, continues to welcome us into a full relationship with him and affirms every aspect of what it is to be human, right? Every aspect of who we are as a human being. And I, I think it is in the Eucharist that that we get that full understanding of it, you know. So I mean, that's the thought that was occurring to me as um, as we were entering into this conversation. Yeah, you know, um, Annie, when when you were speaking, I, I was thinking about my experience with the Lord this past weekend. This past weekend, I went on a uh, Curcio uh, men's um, weekend, and. Uh, I had to go as a candidate because they said before you could go as a spiritual director, you have to go as a candidate. So, and I was incognito. Uh, they said, you know, you have to be incognito. Uh, the, the other guys can't know that you're a priest. Otherwise they'll be intimidated uh, to share. So I was, it was weird. I was like for the first time in 13 years, I was just Paul uh, until the big reveal at mass then, uh, <laughs> you know, came out and they were like, their jaws dropped. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably because they were all a lot more mature the whole weekend than I was. Uh, but, um, you know, but it, it was, there was a special emphasis on the teaching on the mass and the Eucharist uh, to the guys over the weekend. But we also had some time in uh, Eucharistic adoration. And mm -hmm. for those of you that don't know what Eucharistic adoration is, basically, um, you know, it's, it's 
we take the, 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 the body of Christ, the host, the Holy Communion, what people receive at Mass, and what, you know, uh, when they say the body of Christ, the body of Christ. And there's a bit of a bigger one, a um, uh, bigger size, and it's placed, uh, Jesus Christ uh, is placed into this golden monstrance, kind of looks like the sun, which is actually very appropriate. Um, and basically, uh, in this beautiful uh, golden or silver monstrance, just kind of put on the altar, and it's just there for literally what it says, to adore the Eucharist, Eucharistic adoration. And basically, we just, Jesus is there, and we adore him, and in a sense, he adores us. And it's, 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 it's an opportunity for intimate, intimate, an intimate encounter with the Lord. Uh, which, by the way, um, just going back a second, um, a lot of people, they, 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 they feel like, well, you know, they're, I, I guess I believe in God, but he's so out there. He's so transcendent. He's so spiritual. I don't, I can't feel him and I, I can't touch him. You know, like I, a lot of people, they go into nature because they want to sense like God or the universe or, you know, they, um, go to a quiet place because that's the only place that they maybe feel one with, you know, whatever they believe in or whatever. Um, but we believe as Catholic Christians that we actually have a tangible opportunity, an opportunity for, for Christ to physically, though sacramentally, body, blood, soul, and divinity, but we, he, he touches us. The sacraments, which are an external, a visible sign of an invisible reality uh, give, uh, of God instituted by Christ, it's, it's like heaven and earth embraces, like heaven and earth kisses, if you will. Um, and so when, when we receive the Lord, we receive God, like God in us, in us tangibly. So there is no more, uh, all these double negatives, there is no <laughs> other, more of an intimate time with God ever, 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 ever than when we receive him in the Eucharist. We are, we are one with him, literally, right? That's why we should take time for absolute silence. Let the choir hold off for a little while. <laughs> absolute silence, okay? So that's the most intimate time that we have with our Lord when we receive him in his body and blood. But another very intimate encounter is in Eucharistic adoration, which I was just explaining. And I have to tell you, Annie and Sam, uh, even though I've been in the presence of the Lord many times uh, by the grace of God, when, when Monsignor Paul came around with the monstrance, um, you know, he went to each in front of each of us individually to have our own little one-on-one -on -one encounter with the Lord. I, I just, I just, I just felt this, this unbelievable, just peace and this, this power, this, this just this power that everything is okay. Everything's going to be, that he's enough, that no matter what it is, that, that he's enough, you know, miracles happen in the presence of the Lord. You know, there have been miracles of, of the Eucharist in and of itself. There are literally Eucharistic miracles, that of which I'm not a scholar, but where, you know, um, the, 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 either the, the Holy Communion, the host starts to bleed and studies have been done on the very blood uh, type of the Eucharist, that the host, this piece of what looks like a piece of bread starts to bleed. It's the blood of the Lord or where the, the precious blood, the blood of the Lord actually looks like and tastes like real blood. There's Eucharistic miracles in the history of the church that have been 
um, uh, studied and documented even by unbelievers that have no explanation to how this has happened. So um, people, there is a place where you can encounter God physically in this world, the transcendent heavenly father, as Annie said so beautifully before, humbled himself to become one of us and then didn't just come down here and then save us and say, all right, well, I'll see you in, you know, a couple thousand years. He's like, no, hey, I'm going to leave this. What do we, what do we uh, just hear a couple weeks ago? The gospel on the road to Emmaus, okay? Um, the road to Emmaus, the, the day of the resurrection, two of these apostles are walking down the road and they're talking about like, oh, we can't believe that, you know, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, <laughs> well, but, you know, we can't believe that Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, he, he, he died. I, I guess the movement's over, but, but, even, but, but the people are saying that he's raised and, and Jesus starts to walk next to them, but they don't, they don't recognize him. The resurrected Jesus somehow in his glory is, is, is next to them. They don't recognize who he is. But he starts to talk to them and he starts to explain to them the scriptures and everything throughout salvation history that referred to him. And then as he was about to, uh, he pretended he was going to depart, but he knew what he was doing. They said, no, 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 come to our house. Come, come stay with us. And they still didn't know who it was. They didn't know it was Jesus. But you want to know when the only time they realized it was him, the absolute only time that those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, realized it was Christ when they were in one of their home and Jesus took the bread, broke it, said the blessing. I'm sorry, when he said the blessing and he broke the bread and at the breaking of the bread, after Jesus says, this is my body, they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. And guess what? He vanished from their sight. Well, he didn't really because he was with them in the Eucharist. They were so astonished that they immediately rose up and, and walked all the way back to Jerusalem to tell the others about the encounter that they had. And they specifically said that we recognized him in the breaking of the bread. People, that he, this is, he left us this for a reason, a memorial to do in remembrance of him. And remembrance, as Monsignor Pobokigio just said this past week, it doesn't just mean call back to memory, to, to just do, the, you know, to think about it. When we, you know, he says, think about when somebody is dismembered, when, you know, somebody loses like a, a limb or something like that. And by the grace of God through, through you know, surgery and, and doctors, they are, they, 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 let's say they, they lose a hand, they're dismembered, and then the hand is reattached. It's remembered. It's brought back to the body, okay? It is not just a calling back of, of a, a thinking of fondly in your memories. No, it's an actual thing um, that, that, it, that is happening in time, once and for all, but at the same time for all, uh, for, for, for all eternity at every single Mass. So, mm. Sam, Annie? <laughs> <laughs> Something I, I was I, just thinking yeah. about. You want to go, Sam? No, 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 you go. Yeah. Um, do this in remembrance of me. Something that you shared um, was that they, they went back, right? And they, they then proclaimed to all. And I, um, something I go back to often, and Sam, you, you started mentioning it earlier, uh, 
too is that right the eucharist liturgy and mission are inextricably linked <laughs> as my friend uh Dr. Helene Perrick says, right, um, you can't separate mass, uh, receiving Christ in the Eucharist from then going out to serve, right? We receive Christ, we worship him in the Eucharist, we encounter his love, and in encountering it, we can't help but go forth as the disciples did after encountering our Lord on the road to Emmaus, after realizing who was with them in the breaking of the bread, they have to go forth and declare it because the heart uh, right, is always going forth, <laughs> uh, reaching out to the other and declaring it. So when I think of Christ's real presence in the Eucharist, right, as the mystery to be believed, to be celebrated, also to be lived, to be proclaimed, um, it's not something I just live in my private life. <laughs> um, it's for me to declare to the world, right, that, that Christ uh, invites us into relationship with him uh, and also in relationship with our brothers and sisters in, in service, in mission. So uh, the Eucharist and mission are inextricably linked. <laughs> um, as we can read in Pope Benedict, um, I'll just do a plug for a favorite book of mine, very large. Um, it, it's blurry, blurry because you have blurry. your... Yeah. I have my background blur on so you don't see the... the, the <laughs> no, but what's the name of it? What's the name of the book? The name of the book is The Eucharist by Lawrence Feingold. It is a large tome, Eucharistic Theology. <laughs> okay. For those who... Uh, may want to dive a little bit deeper into so the Eucharist by Lawrence Feingold. Feingold. Okay. I'll, I'll put a link to that book in the show notes. Another one I want to just recommend to you um, is uh, the real presence by Dr. Timothy O'Malley of the university of Notre Dame's McGrath Institute. Okay. Uh, excellent. Very small, very easy to read a book on, on the real presence. Um, right here I am. I can't help but share and uh, want to give people more resources to dive a little deeper into what, what do these mysteries really mean and how does it apply to my life and how do I live it, right? But, you know, it, it's like Annie, you, Father Paul, myself, it's like we, yeah, we have that, okay, we can't help but share it, right? You encounter something, it's it's like when I first got engaged to my wife, I couldn't help but share that news to everybody, like, you know, who strangers, <laughs> you know, you, you get this excitement. But um, I mean, but so many of us do not come out of mass, out of communion, in that spirit of thanksgiving, in that desire to share, right? So it's like, okay, what what's the disconnect there? And I would, I, I kind of, my thought is that that hints towards the other word for Eucharist that we've talked about a few times, communion, right? And then when Ben Dick talks about the Holy Spirit as communion, that um, that American culture, and it extends a little bit more uh, in, in recent years to, to the broader culture, but definitely in, in America, the, the, the kind of the battle between the desire to be independent and self-sufficient and the natural human need for communion 
But commute in order to be in a community, sacrifices have to be made, right? Um, and then we're really definitely a culture that that shuns sacrifice. Um, but when when we consider what does it take to be in communion, and I, I reflect back, and I, I don't want to say like this is an official thing from the Archbishop, but on a, on a few occasions, Archbishop Lord has talked about the um, the church that the success of it is going to be in small communities, in, in these sure. small faith communities. And that's where we begin building community in, in these small communities, but they have to have this kind of an openness and a desire to celebrate, a desire to have that Thanksgiving, right? The desire to mm. uh, to have that Thanksgiving in such a profound way that it's evident elsewhere. And so then the communities start to grow and as as they ought to. And, and so now that's where people will feel it. That's where um, they're going to want to have what you have or, you know, when, when they see you because they know that you live in communion. But if, if you don't live in communion, whether you're a priest and, and you have not, you have not put in the time and the sacrifice to be with your fellow brothers, right, and and to develop that kind of community among yourselves, um, people can get that sense, right, because you're not giving everything you have. If, if I'm not focusing on my family um, and and developing that small community, and then making sure that that family is around other families to build another community. Um, then I'm going to be tapped and, and people are not going to, they're not going to be able to witness the joy I have because, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of struggle without those other people that I'm dependent on. And that's the, the great thing about the Lord, right? In in Eucharist, in that little bread and wine is humility. You know, you bring up something interesting and, you know, really, it's it's really late on the East Coast here, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. We have barely scratch the surface on the Eucharist uh, and on Mass, because then there's the whole topic of, you know, why go to Mass? And, you know, um, there's, there's the whole topic of receiving the body and blood of our Lord in a, in a worthy manner, which is actually something that is, like, really debated, because there's this, you know, and I, and I don't know what you personally think about this, you know, uh, so I don't know, it might start a debate right here, but, like, there's a lot of people that, they say that the the Eucharist is weaponized uh, by you know being denied to certain people or whatever, and that you know the Eucharist should be given to everyone because we're all sinners and we're all in need of the, our our Savior. And you know, the, I just so I'm just gonna say one thing about it. You guys could chime in if you want. I don't want to take up much more of your time, but um, you know. Uh, why do we say, you know, that you really have to go to confession uh, if you are conscious of a grave mortal sin uh, before one receives the Eucharist? So here's the deal. We don't want to keep people away. I understand that there may be people in the church, and it, it seems like that. And maybe sometimes people just are not an example of Christ to you. Uh, if this is you, if you haven't been to church in a long time, if you haven't been to confession in a long time, um, I know some people, great people, but and, they, and and God bless them. They actually 
do not receive the Eucharist because they haven't been in the confession in a long time, you know, I, now I just want to encourage them and push them to actually go to confession because they're actually doing the respectable thing because then you have people on the other side of the spectrum that they haven't gone to confession in years and years and years and they just go up and receive the Eucharist. You know, the saying goes that, you know, uh, the, the lines to the confessional are very, very, very small and yet the lines for communion are very, 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 very big. And so I just want to say the one thing about People are saying, well, you know, people need the Eucharist. It's a, it's a sacrament. You know, God is mercy. God is love. So um, we're sinners. We need that. And what I would say to that is, well, yeah, it's, that's true. But we already have a sacrament that is the sacrament of mercy. We have a sacrament that, that not that it precedes the sacrament of the Eucharist in importance, but like that, the sacrament of the Eucharist, Jesus knew what he was doing. Okay, and the church uh, knows what it's doing. The church is the living body of Christ, given the authority uh, by Christ Himself, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and the teaching of the Catholic Church is that, like we we do, especially if we're conscious of of, of a mortal sin, uh, that we have to go to confession before we receive the Eucharist, so that we're cleansed and we can receive the Eucharist in a state of grace. Um, so that's the only thing I want to say on that. Of course we want you to receive the Eucharist. We don't want to keep others away in any way, shape, or form. We just want people to be reconciled before you receive the Eucharist. And that's what the sacrament of confession is for. It's not a sacrament of condemnation. It's not a sacrament of punishment. It's a sacrament of mercy. It's a sacrament of healing. And there is power. There is power in that sacrament. But that's the sacrament of mercy. And then, of course, the sacrament of, of the most blessed divine sacrament of charity is the sacrament of the Eucharist. So that's my two cents on it. I don't know if you have any comments at all, if you want, uh, but I just felt like necessary to say that because I know there are some listeners that like the show, don't go to church that often, but when they do, they feel like they can't receive and um, because they either haven't gone to confession or, and I also know on the other side, there are people that listen that they haven't gone to confession, but they just go ahead and receive anyway. So, mm-hmm. Again, we didn't scratch a f- surface, but I at least wanted to just mention that before I start to wrap things up. You're, no debate from me, Father. You're, you're spot on. Um, and to your listeners, I just want to speak a word of encouragement um, that if it's been a while since you've been to confession, um, come because Jesus is there waiting for you, right? You encounter him there as well to just unburden yourself to uh, enter more deeply into the relationship that he's inviting you into. He He's waiting for you there um, and he wants to restore the relationship and wipe everything away. You know, sometimes in my life, I've thought, oh, I'm not, not holy enough or I just have all these doubts and beliefs about myself, um, self-condemning. And then I go to confession and just say the hard words, the the sins that I've committed. Um, and then I hear the words of absolution coming from Christ through the, the lips of the priest. Um, and there's just so much peace and so much joy. So that then when I go to communion and partake of Christ's body and blood, and then he enters my soul, right? I can then truly rest in him and really receive all the love 
that uh, he desires to lavish upon me. So just words of encouragement. Um, all the priests, you've heard it, they've heard it all, <laughs> right? Um, so, so just uh, go, go, don't wait, go tomorrow. <laughs> Amen. Or if you're on the West Coast, go tonight. Go tonight. <laughs> Absolutely. And Jesus calls us to, to reconciliation, right? I mean, he, he's already told us that, you know, before you bring your offering to the Lord, and if you have something against your brother, just go make, make that reconciliation, right? And, and it's just this idea that, that we can come, um, we can come to the Lord um, understanding our weaknesses, but we have to be honest. Like we have to be honest that that we're weak. We have to be honest that that we have had failings, and we there's an honesty about not sitting in your muck. There has to be an honesty about trying to get out of it, trying to say like reach out a hand so that the Lord can grab it because the Lord's reaching out to us. Um, and and I think that's that's what it is for for the idea of, of um, receiving communion and, and about going to reconciliation before, are we really honest about our desire for conversion? And to me, that's, that's, that's what you have to discern for yourself. Are you, if you haven't been in a while, you finally, for whatever reason, you found that you're at, at mass and do you have that desire for conversion? Do, if, if you had the opportunity right now, to go to confession, would you do that? You know, the desire of the heart um, for that. Um, and on, on the other side of it, as a Eucharistic minister, um, I, I think we're compelled to assume that the person before us, right, has done what they needed to do. Like if, they, if they're saying amen, if they're saying amen, um, it's not really for us to decide whether they get the Eucharist or not. Um, that's, you know, and that could be your, your pastor or your ordinary, right? That's, that's, that's a level above us. But if, if you're a Eucharistic minister, we have to humbly assume, we have to humbly assume and, and really think the best in the person in front of us. Um, it's not our judgment call on that, you know? Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of getting a little bit to uh, giving you a, a more <laughs> direct response to that particular issue. Um, but I, I think that all of us in going to, to Eucharist, we have to discern um, whether we're open for conversion or not. And so I would say that for anybody, even if somebody feels like they've gone to daily mass forever and it's maybe that's habitual to them. Maybe they haven't had the efficacious um, a portion of coming out of mass and having that Thanksgiving. So every time we we really have to seek conversion in the Lord when we go to Eucharist. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting that you said that because um, last night uh, I did do an interview uh, with somebody who co-wrote a book with uh, Cardinal Burke. Uh, called in, called uh, respecting the body and blood of of the Lord. His name's uh, Thomas McKenna. It was a, a very nice guy. Good interview. And um, but the reason why I didn't want to have that be my Corpus Christi episode is because the entire book and discussion really revolves around the certain circumstances when 
when communion does need to be denied, which um, is controversial, but it's actually in canon law. And right. uh, Cardinal Burke and uh, Thomas McKenna do a great job of, of explaining uh, this. And I'm not going to get into the whole thing with politicians right now and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it's a sensitive topic. But, but I do believe that, you know, when certain people are saying, you know, I'm this, this, I'm this Catholic, I'm a great Catholic, I'm a great Catholic. And then at the same time are vehemently opposing uh, certain very basic uh, Catholic issues. I don't know. So I'll leave that to that episode, which uh, will eventually come out, but not this <laughs> Sunday. Uh, I didn't want, I didn't want this, to, but no, no, that's, it's, it, it's, we do need to. You didn't to want to lose honest. this podcast to like, what? <laughs> what's that? I said you didn't want to be forced to end this podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Um, and, you know, uh, I also forgot to say, and I promise I'll end with this, even though I keep saying that I'll end. Um, I talked about the Last Supper, that that's where Jesus instituted the Eucharist. But I forgot to say that at that very night, um, uh, he also instituted the priesthood. And that's important to say because the Eucharist and the priesthood, in a certain sense, go hand in hand. Um, yes. There is no Eucharist without the priest. Yes. And without the Eucharist, uh, why a priesthood? You know, what am I going to give you? What am I going to offer you myself? His holiness? I don't think so. You'll be very, very, very disappointed. So Christ ordained those men. And for the last 2,000 years through the succession, the unbroken succession of the laying on of hands for the past 2,000 years of priestly ordination, uh, I, I, the, the guy who ordained me a, a priest, Bishop de Cunha, and the, whoever ordained him and then ordained him and then ordained him goes back to the Last Supper of that night that we were ordained in the in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. It is Christ in us that is making this piece of bread and that wine become his body and blood. It's not me. It's not Paul Hulis. It is Father Paul Hulis. Christ is acting in and through me in the sacraments. Same thing with the forgiveness of sins, okay? It's not me or any priest that just forgives sins. It is Christ in that priest through the sacramental order. So I wanted to end by saying that, Sam, Annie, I am beyond grateful, like, like more than you know, very grateful to you. And I wish we could like chat after this, but I got to get to work. Um, so <laughs> I want to I talk to you guys very soon. Thank you for your witness. Thank you for your flexibility. Um, wow. And uh, Annie, I hope this is the beginning of a, of a new friendship. Uh, Sam, you, Sam, you know I love you. Uh, please tell Eileen. You kept referring to this Eileen in the beginning. I just want to tell the listeners that's his wife, okay? Um, <laughs> so thank you. Uh, and why don't we, should we uh, end uh, with a Hail Mary? Yes. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death Amen. May Almighty God bless all of you. All of you. I hope that this 
encourages you to go to confession and to go to Mass this Sunday for the solemnity of Corpus Christi. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me for a Holy Mess podcast. Please see the show notes in the description for this episode for more details and information about the topic and or our guest. You will find links and resources there to supplement this episode and help you along your messy but holy journey. Please also like, comment, subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this episode. I want to thank Mike Mangione for providing his song, Can You Love Me Falling, from his album Red Wing Blackbird Man to provide for the theme song of this podcast. Finally, Please note that while Father Paul Hoos is a priest for the Archdiocese of Newark, a Holy Mess with his Holy Mess podcast is not affiliated with the Archdiocese of Newark in any way, including but not limited to fundraising efforts. This podcast is purely the personal hobby, product, and evangelization effort of me, Father Paul Hoos. Please join us again next time for another Holy Mess of an episode. God bless. Yeah.